Hello, hello. Hi, Kalechi. Hello, Sonia. Nice to see you today. Nice to see you too. <laughs> <laughs> so who do we speak to today? So today we spoke to Arthi, who is somebody that I met at um, university two years ago. Mm-hmm. He's from Dominica and is a geologist and a specialist in renewable energy. Yes. And we had a lovely chat with him. Really interesting guy. He told us stories about his childhood in Dominica, which is sounds like a paradise, to be honest. Definitely. And it was interesting how he said it is quite similar to Iceland in many ways. Yeah. But a smaller, safer, kind of more lush. Yeah. Of course, warmer. Of course. Place, but it's kind of weird to compare those two countries. Like, yeah, Definitely. I think that it was... I loved hearing about, you know, what it was like just for him to grow up there. Yeah, it was fascinating. It is something that I think a lot of us almost fantasize about. To grow up on an island, you know, like in the... It sounds... It sounds amazing and apparently is as good as it sounds. Exactly, yeah. So you'll hear about that and we'll hear about the story, like how some guy from Dominica ended up in Iceland. And Mm -hmm. it was not a straight line. Nope. Iceland was not his first destination. (laughs) And um, yeah, he has some fascinating stories, which I'm sure you will love. Mm -hmm. So shall we begin? So, Arfi, thank you very much for coming and joining us on our podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really uh, excited to speak to you, and I think we just jump right in. I would love to know kind of where you're from, how you grew up, Mm -hmm. what your childhood was like. So, from the very beginning, where were you born, Arfi? From the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I was born in a very, very small island called uh, the Commonwealth of Dominica, Mm -hmm. and not to be confused with Dominican, Dominican Republic. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> been there. Yeah. <laughs> we have to straighten that out. It's so yeah. funny. It's an yeah. issue that we've always had. Mm-hmm. Blame Christopher Columbus for his lazy naming. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's always something that we try to distinguish because we have our own identity, our own culture. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. Even if we're all in the same region, we come from such a different background. Um, like they always say that the Caribbean is like a like a melting pot of cultures, mm-hmm. and I mean Dominica alone has African heritage, um, Kalinago heritage, which is like the natives, and then the Spanish, French, and English consecutively mm-hmm. as they colonized, so they all left a little bit of the heritage. So we all just have this whole huge combination of different cultures and heritage that we now call our own. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's so completely different from like Latin American countries. Yeah, so I guess you have just such a different history that it's completely like you can't... Completely different, yeah. So like we can relate in certain things, but maybe like 80% we probably won't. Yeah. Because we don't have that same kind of lifestyle and background, to be honest. Yeah. But, I mean, growing up in the Caribbean, like, I guess you can imagine it yourself. Is it's, it it's, a paradise? Because that's uh, what I'm imagining. I'm imagining leafy green, it's just good music, green, good food. Green, 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 all over the place. It's, um, we call it like sun, sea and sand. Mm-hmm. Because that's literally mm-hmm. all we have. Mm. Always sunny, like annoyingly so, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> too sunny. Yeah. yeah, it almost gets yeah. too sunny. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's like when you grow up in always sunshine, like, it gets a little more insignificant to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I appreciate it way more now because yeah, Iceland. Yeah. Iceland, yeah. yeah. So, 
when I go back home, it's you feel it. It's like a, it's like the warmth. It just makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Like the light, the brightness. It just changes your mood completely. Mm-hmm. And I only really experienced it after leaving. Yeah, then you notice it more. Yeah, you notice it more. Like you get to appreciate the things that you don't have all the time. Now. Mm-hmm. It's so different. But the freedom of growing up there, it's it's un- almost unparalleled to me. What do you mean freedom? It's like you you basically you can grow up with almost no fear whatsoever. It's not a place that has a lot of crime or these kinds of things. So we were basically allowed to roam free as kids. I even mean, more than in Iceland. Even more than in Iceland because funny, yeah. a lot of things you probably shouldn't do here as kids no, in yeah. Iceland. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless if you go to a cliff back home, but yeah. kids won't do that. Um, so yeah, like even like, granted I had really strict parents. Did you? Yeah, very strict. Uh, is that like normal? Is that is it a cultural thing or is it just maybe your parents? <laughs> it's probably a little bit of both. Right? Mm-hmm. I am the firstborn, so like there was way more responsibility put on me as mm-hmm. the first child. Like my other siblings, I, yeah, they're the lucky ones. They have all the freedom. They could do whatever they wanted. So <laughs> I was the one who was stuck with all the responsibility. You were the one who had to be, you were the child blazer a little yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, also because I was a real brat as a kid. <laughs> so I feel like they, I also took a lot of their energy away from my siblings. So by the time it came to them, they're like, no, yeah, we, we can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> do whatever you want. We don't care. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were like as a child? I mean, you probably weren't only just a brat. <laughs> I was a terror. Really? I was <laughs> Dennis the Menace. I was really? horrible. Like looking back now, I can say like, geez, how did my parents put up with me? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what did you do? <laughs> I was very hyperactive. I had a lot of energy as a kid. Okay. So I was always running around or going out. Like my, I have strict parents, like I told you. Mm-hmm. So like I would just sneak out of the house while they're not aware and I probably go right next door to fearless. my neighbors. Like fearless no kid. fear. I could just do whatever I wanted. Never if any shoes. <laughs> and like maybe ten minutes later I'd hear my mother calling like my government name. When she when she says Atherton, like I know it's something is wrong. <laughs> because nobody calls me by my name. Like everybody calls me Arthur since I was born. Yeah. Like I didn't know my real name until I went to school and I started on the book. I was yeah. like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Arthur so your name is Arthur uh, but which is short for Atherton. Yeah, Atherton. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool name. I've not heard that before. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, maybe some more lazy naming by my dad. He's <laughs> Arthur. Uh. So <laughs> I am literally one letter away from being a junior. <laughs> I'm literally Arthur's son. Yeah. yeah, that's literally what I am. Yeah, but you even with strict parents, I still did a lot as a kid because, like I said, it's almost no fear, like, I mean, probably was a little coward because we went down to the river and stuff and everybody's jumping off these huge rocks into the pool. So I'm like, nah, that's not for me. Uh, but, no, thank you. Mm, that's, that's a, that's a, a bit much, a, a bit above my age. But um, I still did so many cool things that I, like, I know a lot of kids around the world would not be able to do. Mm. Like just being out in nature and just running around and actually living a child's life. Like wow. that freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I like I. Priceless. It is. It is like now as an adult, and I know what's going on around the world. I can say like I was really privileged to have that kind of childhood, Mm -hmm. like an Mm -hmm. innocent childhood when you just can concentrate on being a child. Literally, just Mm -hmm. being a child, Mm -hmm. and it's like letting children be children in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that 
that cannot be overstated. It's interesting that you had that kind of like you you've come from a place where there's even more freedom than in Iceland because I think I would have considered Iceland to be one of those countries where like one of the best things about it is that kids can be free and wild mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Exactly. Yeah. But like imagine growing up in a place where like that's taken to the next level mm-hmm. and also maybe in Reykjavik for example you don't want to it's cold there's concrete everywhere yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it, there is, it's a different type it's a different, of freedom. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely different. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean also the fact that I think what also contributed to it is the fact that we're probably smaller. We are like a third of Iceland's population, maybe even less. Wow. So it's probably of a more tightly knit community. Mm-hmm. So you get these places where, like, I swear my parents and everybody in the country, like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Everybody knows them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of annoying to me. You but everybody's like, oh, you're uh, his son. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's one of those things. So, People know you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know them, yeah, they probably yeah. know your parents, or they probably know your grandparents. They so, can like, contextualize you. Maybe. Yeah. So, a lot of people they get to look out for you, mm-hmm. and I guess on one hand, it kind of makes the parents' job a bit easier because you have so much more eyes, mm-hmm. almost like parenting. Like mm-hmm. yeah. they would literally parent you. Like you'd probably meet a stranger on the street, but because they know your parents, they'd be like, hey, you should not be doing that. You should go home or whatever. <laughs> like, who are you? It's like, who are you? Like, I'm going to tell your mom. I'm like, okay, I'm going, I'm going. Yeah. And um, are there cities? Is it like, what's the, what is the land like? Do you, do you grow, is there like a town? Is it village? Like what is It's the, more village. It's yeah. uh, the way everything is set up. It's villages and towns because we're not that big. So, like, our capital is just a town. Mm-hmm. It's, they're called major towns. We only have two of them. And, like, Roseau is our capital, the, the town. And, I mean, it's it's not big. No? It's not big. <laughs> like, you can walk around all of Roseau in a few minutes. It's it's really small. Oh, okay. So, well, smaller than Reykjavik, even. Definitely smaller than Reykjavik. Okay. Like, Reykjavik could probably constitute, like, what we call... Um, like Roso proper, it's like Roso and environs. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. like probably about four added villages or something. So it's much much smaller than here. So again, it's like everything is in one place. You know how to find everything you need, whatever. And granted, it's not a lot because we don't have like very heavy nightlife and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Dominica is more of an what we call more of an ecotourist destination. Mm-hmm. Ecotourism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, it's like cool. 80% of the country is basically a rainforest. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Can you tell us what you do for, what do we do for fun in the day? <laughs> you name it. Really? <laughs> what do you think? Like, what do you think? What do you find fun? You what can do, do you it. think for uh, fun that kids would do during the day? We would do anything. Like sports, go to the beach, go to the river. I actually went to the river more than the beach, I think, because I lived up in the mountains. My village was up in the mountains. It's like a 15-minute walk to our twin waterfalls in my village. It's it's absolutely amazing in Trafalgar, where it is. And it's also a little cooler, which I really appreciate Mm. because... So what what temperatures are we talking then? uh, (laughs) I say cooler, and Trafalgar probably drops to like, 23, 24 degrees at night. And that's cooler. That is cooler. People come up to my village and they're like, geez, how do people survive? It's so cold. And I'm sitting here in a vest like, what? (laughs) You said what? 24 degrees. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's a bit chilly. Uh, Everybody's like, it's chilly. 
yeah, I honestly don't know I'm going to fare when I go back home because yeah, I have acclimatized <laughs> yeah. here, so yeah. that's going to be uncomfortable. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's really strange. Like the, the coastal areas are so much warmer. Mm-hmm. Like the, the tongue gets so hot. Like mm-hmm. we despair going to, to Rosa. Like really? I hate it. It's so, it's hot, but it's like, it's not overwhelming heat like a, a continental heat no. it's i guess you have the breeze yeah we always have that tropical breeze coming in from the sea anyway mm-hmm. but because of where i live i can feel it so much more because where i'm it's so much cooler mm-hmm. when the breeze comes through the trees in the mountains it's completely different it's so much cooler yeah so can you tell us about your you have siblings younger siblings yeah like how, how many two of yeah. them two, two of them my uh sister is just three years younger than me and as soon as she was born, she took all the attention. Oh, and yeah. That, that, was, <laughs> that. that was that. Yeah. It, it, Rude. It, it, it just happened. I was like, well, mm. okay. <laughs> that was it. And But my my brother came way down the line. When yeah. my brother was born, I think I was already 15. And yeah, I wasn't happy about that. Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, I always wanted a brother. Mm-hmm. But I wanted one when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. you're like, guys, yeah. a bit late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, um, when my parents told me they were, um, they were expecting, I'm like, no, like, why not? <laughs> it's like, no, it's a very bad time. I'm about to take, like, we have the regional exams that it's probably almost like a standardized test, almost like um, like SATs or something. Yeah. Um, it's actually a year after we did our GCs. We have this regional exam that the entire Caribbean takes, at least the English-speaking ones. Mm-hmm. And they're all graded in tandem. And then the grades that the region has determines the grade you have. In huh? the so it's like, it's almost like on a scale. So if a lot of people do good, the grading goes up. So like you have to do more to get an A. Mm. If more people oh, do I bad, see. they bring it down. It's like, right? curve it's like almost a curve there. Yeah. The okay. entire region gets curved. I not thought you just were going to say like you get the grade that your region gets. So no, that would be terrible. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> <laughs> be terrible. Yeah. So I was supposed to take that exam the following year and all I could think of was there was going to be a baby in this house. Oh, yeah. Mm. Crying. Cr- oh. And I have to study mm-hmm. for the most important exam of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I packed a bag and I moved out. <laughs> <laughs> the baby was not going to mess no, with your like, score. Like when the, ex- when the time for the exams came, I was like, yep, mom, I packed one bag of clothes, <laughs> one bag of books. I'm going to set my grandparents for two months. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll see you. <laughs> yeah, I literally left. I... What did they say to that? Uh, they're like, okay, sure. Yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> like, they probably had enough to do with the... Yeah, yeah, they're like, like, whatever. It's yeah. not a big deal. They knew, I, they knew I would take care of my work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's literally the same grandparents I've been living with for a long time as well because, I mean, both my parents basically work eight to seven. Mm-hmm. So after school, especially since I'm the firstborn, I was the one they needed to take care of. Mm-hmm. And they sh- basically shipped me up to my grandparents. So I spent a lot of afternoons there anyway, studying mm-hmm. and doing homework or whatever. So it was like, yeah, it's fine. It's mm-hmm. it's where you'd normally be anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just... No, it's day and night. Yeah, and exactly. not just during the day. And I'm making a statement. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, my grandma was like, uh, after three weeks, she was like, are you still here? But <laughs> 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 you're only staying for a couple of days. Oh <laughs> it's like, yeah, I have two months of exams. <laughs> yeah, so. Did you grow up with a lot of family near you, like walk in walking distance, or what was it um, What was it like? Honestly, like, um, I do have quite a bit of family in walking distance, but then... 
my family's also kind of spread out over the island. So, like, I have family on the East Coast that would take us almost two hours to get to them. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the father's family I have away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother's father's side of the family lived in the the same village that you were showing me a while ago. Like, just above us, higher than us. It's like a 40-minute drive higher up the mountain. Okay. And But a lot of my mother's family on her mother's side lives close. Mm-hmm. And as well, my dad's. Mm-hmm. My dad's parents uh-huh. my grandparents who I also stayed with they were like 10 minutes walk 15 minutes walk away so but so then like if mm-hmm. the furthest family to you is like two hours away mm-hmm. it's pretty wild that you're in Iceland yeah, right exactly. now yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's, I mean it's not the first time I've run away to be honest so did you run away somewhere else or do you mean I did I, I, every time I go to study I don't do it in Dominica so I always okay. leave especially we don't have like the universities okay. that most countries do. So, so everyone who wants to study goes somewhere else? Usually you need to, unless if you're probably doing medicine. We have two medical, I think we still have two medical universities. And if you're not doing medicine, it's like, well, you need to find somewhere else to study, basically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, fortunately, like our government gave us a lot of scholarships to go to study. Mm-hmm. So when I left college and I worked for a year afterwards... I got the opportunity to go to Morocco to do my undergrad. And that's why I did my bachelor's. Yeah. So they provided us with a scholarship. Like um, they had an agreement with the Moroccan government Mm -hmm. so that their students could study that they could select students to go there to study while the Moroccans were building a hotel in Dominica. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so trade. It, we, we were <laughs> traded off. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, works well for you. Works well for us, of yeah, course. We yeah. got the benefit and we got the opportunity opportunity to study. So how was Morocco? Yeah, exactly. I'm curious. Ooh, so <laughs> Morocco was an experience. I stayed in Morocco for five years. I went there in 2011, or was it 2012? 2012. I went in 2012 and Morocco honestly is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really beautiful people. The people, yeah, yeah, the people were much harder to deal with, especially as a black man going to Morocco. That was a lot having to deal with. In what them. way? Um, especially coming from somewhere that's so free, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. going into a very closed off country that it really just basically dictates the country. So it's, that was probably the biggest cultural shock yeah. I've ever had in my life. Okay. It was so different. Like, I had to make sure that I took very much, like, a lot of care in every single thing I did. Like, whoever I interacted with, where I went, what time I moved. Like, I had to be so strict with myself because I just couldn't be free anymore. Oh, wow. That sounds a little bit yeah. difficult. How it old was. were you at, when you left? Um... I was 19. 19. I was 19 okay. when I left. I mean, that's like, that is a huge move at 19. Yeah. But I mean, I, I always knew I wanted to go to study. Yeah. But I knew that financially that would always, always be difficult, mm-hmm. especially if I'm going to study in the West. So when I saw the opportunity, I was like, I have to take it. At least it would work as a stepping stone. And I mean, mm-hmm. it actually did. It did, yeah. Like I'm here now, so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. progress. Yeah. And did you, do you speak French? Yes, yes. Is that, is that a language that they speak in uh, Dominica? Mm, 
Is it one of the? Kinda. I know that in the, some of the Caribbean islands they speak French as like a. Yeah, because um, it's all to do with the colonies. Like mm-hmm. France has islands that they still own currently. Like mm-hmm. we basically live between two of them. Guadeloupe and Martinique are still French owned. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there's a lot of influx of French people into Dominica. But we still have the French heritage from when the French colonizers before the British came. And I think during that time, the um, French Creole language was developed. I mean, Haiti speak French Creole more than they speak French, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's almost like an off-brand French Mm-hmm. because when we speak it, the French people don't really get it because mm-hmm. we say some things differently or we s- sort of tie words together that the French would not usually do. But when a French person speaks, we pick it all up mm-hmm. because it's like, it's the same generic things. So we yeah. know exactly mm-hmm. how to put everything together. And in the high schools as well, we teach pure French. Okay. So it's the actual French and not French girl is taught in schools. So I was able to do French for five years in high school before I went off to college and then went to study. And even in our first year in undergrad, we had a full year and it was just learning the French language. That's what happens before you start studying yeah. because all the studies are in French. Yeah. And so am I getting this right? They speak French in Morocco, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So you were able to like speak the language there? Yes, was... yeah, yeah. But okay. it's, it's their second language. French to Morocco is like English to Iceland. Okay. It's still their second language. Yeah. So the Arabic comes first. Yeah. Yeah. That one was way more difficult. The way Arabic? Diffi- yeah, the Arabic was yeah. absolutely yeah. terrible. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Did you try and learn Arabic? Uh, yeah, I did. Do you speak Arabic? No, I don't. No? I, do, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I know a few words. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Shriya and Hamza and those kind of things. But I can't string sentences together. It's, mm. it's horrendous, actually. <laughs> <laughs> How um how long did you stay in Morocco then? I was there for five years. Five years, five okay. Five years, yeah. So it was the one year French, and it was supposed to be three years of study, uh-huh. which would have been four years, but like the French always do, they striked while I was in my second year. Oh, nice. And <laughs> schools were basically shut off, like we just couldn't learn for almost a year. They call it like a l'année blanche. It's like just a whitewash of that year. Wow because um, there was an issue between students and professors. An issue? Yeah, I think it was a grading issue. And from what I remember, it seemed like they were taking grades from good students and giving it to their, basically their pets, their teacher's pets. The students that they liked. And then when the students noticed this disparity in grades, they literally went on strike. Like they came into the amphitheaters, they shut off the power, everything, and they were just rioting. So yeah, Ministry of Education basically shut down schools. And Interesting. (laughs) You're like, great. Well, I was was literally so bored. I I can't stay in my bed all day. So I went back to the capital where we started everything because I, I actually moved to the north, Tanja, which is, pretty close to Spain. And that's where I did my undergrad. But we started off in the capital in Rabat. Mm -hmm. So when I realized there's no school, I was like, I might as well go meet my mates down in Rabat. And I just stayed there for a few months, literally not doing anything. Really? Yeah. So that was a waste of year. But (laughs) yeah. Did you manage to have fun during that year? I mean, I tried as much fun as you could have in this. In this limbo space. Yeah. It's much more... um, 
close off mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so what did you do b- after Morocco and before Iceland? Because I'm doing mm-hmm. some quick maths. There's two years missing, I think. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. So after Morocco, I went back home. Okay. And actually went to Grenada. I went to Grenada for carnival for a few weeks. It was like my graduation present to myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to enjoy carnival. I've not been in the Caribbean for a while. I think the last time I was there was 2015. And I was like, I'm going to enjoy myself. Then I leave Grenada. I go home. I'm home for one week. And then the country's flattened by a hurricane. Oh my God. So you were there. I was there. Oh. I was there when it happened. Can you tell us about that disaster? Yeah, I think it was definitely the most terrified I've ever been. It yeah. was like I am, um, I've always been fascinated by storms, like tropical storms. I used to always follow them as a kid. Like I literally left Dominica to study meteorology. And when I went to Morocco, it's like the program wasn't offered in the schools that the governments were funding. So I changed to geology then. But I'd always had this fascination with it. Mm-hmm. But living through that type of storm, that was. No joke. Yeah, that was almost life-changing, I think. How uh, much a warning did you, like, how, how did it pan out? It, that year was a, a very weird year. I, I think... 2016? No, it was um, 2017. Mm. And that year was a very high year when it came to, like, major storms. I think that you were, like, three of them that were on record, that they were record storms. They're like storms you'd get once every 50 years. Mm. And we got three of them in one year. Oh, Jesus. So they were like coming in at all angles. Mm. I, w- I, kn- I remember I had to leave Grenada like a week prior. And I couldn't fly because there were two of them out in the Atlantic. And planes were just like, we're not flying. Mm. So I had to wait until one passed. But while I was, sh- before I left, like we, could, we were tracking the development of that storm. Like it didn't get, it was still far off. But I was trying to monitor it just in case. So when I left and I got there, that's when things really started to like pick up because we could see that it was strengthening and it was slowing down as well. So when it slows down, it has more time to fix itself before it gets to us because the forward speed is just dropping. So it's not moving as much. And it's just sitting there gathering all of the heat from the, the Atlantic Ocean, basically. And it's just strengthening and just literally beelining for Dominica. Oh my God. Yeah. So you could basically watch it coming yeah, towards your island. Yeah, we literally watch it coming. Were no. you able to like, can you do anything to prepare or like, uh, what can you do to like keep your stuff safe or yeah. keep yourself safe? Well, I guess every household has like this hurricane plan. Everybody mm-hmm. has their own plan. Depends on your house or where you live or whatever. So like um, people who live near trees, they have to make sure like they cut branches and stuff. Probably have to board up their windows and stuff like that. Um, we always had like a to-go bag. So like we have some clothes, perishables, passports, those kind of things. Like everything that's important just in case mm-hmm. you need to actually make a run for it at some point. And then all of stuff like appliances and those things, you try and put them in like bags or whatever. It's like, mm just in case of water and those things. So, and of course, like, check the nails on your roof and those things because roofs are, yeah, they just get lost in hurricanes. Yeah, you see images of, like, yeah. roofs flying yeah. off. Full roofs would just go. Was this, so you said it happened, like, typically every one in every 50 years. Mm-hmm. 
So th- had you ever experienced anything like this before? Not that big? magnitude of a storm. I think the most I had experienced before that was maybe a Category 2. Okay. I think that was Ivan in 2013. But that one was also like the one I experienced in 2015, but it was a tropical storm. Those two storms, I think, were kind of freaks, freaks mm-hmm. of nature. Mm-hmm. The one in 2015, like I had gone back home and... Honestly, like people told me to stop coming home from Morocco because <laughs> I came back twice and there storms. were two storms. <laughs> and they're like, oh he's God. literally coming from Africa. Oh he's bringing the storms with him. Oh it's like, okay. So after that, I haven't come back to Morocco, as you've noticed. And we've not had any storms. Coincidence, I think. Weird. <laughs> but um, the one in 2015 was a tropical storm. So we were not expecting any major damage because the winds are like, 50 miles per hour, it's not that bad. It's not things we can't deal with. But that storm was massive Mm. and it was just a rainstorm. So it basically flooded the country. And Dominic on its day is very beautiful because we have waterfalls and we have rivers. Like we literally have 365 rivers. And when those rivers are swelled up by that amount of water, it's absolutely different. It's such a destructive force. Just water just pouring through. Just think of a dam that just bursts. Mm. It's just wow. flowing like torrents. And um, we have a lot of homes that are very close to the river lines. Mm-hmm. Like we warned them, but they still do it. And a lot of homes got washed away because of that storm. Mm, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it was unprecedented. I don't think anybody would have ever thought we'd have gotten that much damage mm. from that little storm. And that was 2015. So Oh, you're talking about 2015? I'm still talking about 2015. Yeah. We're not even on the 2017 storm oh yet. Oh my God. That's just water. That was just water. Now, I remember the prime minister addressed us after that storm and he said Dominica got pushed, literally got pushed by 30 years back because of that storm, because of the water and all the infrastructural damage like we lost bridges we lost a lot of things and then two years later the entire country gets flattened by an even worse storm like we hardly had any water in that storm because the winds were so strong like the rain just literally got blown away wow. so it was just wind force this time but that storm was also a freak because it it developed so quickly in a very short space of time like when it was coming we were expecting a category two mm-hmm. And then it jumped three categories in about four hours or five hours. It just rapidly changed. And I think a lot of people were still unprepared for that because they were not expecting the magnitude of the storm that we actually got. And maybe not like fully recovered from the one in 2015. Exactly. A lot of people were still displaced from that. Yeah. I mean, it was only two years. There's not a lot that can be done. And (laughs) yeah, literally, I think that was the most barren I've ever seen that country. I don't think there was any leaves left on any trees. Oh my God. Like when the sun rose the next day, we could, you just seen like skeletons on the mountains. So a place that was always green was literally just brown. Like a war zone. It literally did look like a war zone. Like you'd go down to the, like just past the town, closer to the port. And you're watching up on the hillside. And all you can see is just like smoke rising. Like people are probably burning stuff or whatever. And then you're hearing helicopters all over the place. It literally just looked like a war zone. Oh my God. It, oh. it was the worst. I've, I would never have ever imagined to see Dominica like that. 
And so when the storm was happening, mm-hmm. when you were in the eye of the storm, what were you doing? How do yeah. you yeah. like survive that? Yeah. Well, I mean, we know all too well about the eye. So we understand that it's only like halfway done. Um, when the eye of the storm passed, I think my, my mother lost faith. Like she lost faith in the house. So she was like, nah. So she wait, hold on, hold on. When mm-hmm. the eye pa- so what did you just say? That when the eye passes, you're only halfway done? Yeah. So it's like, that's half of the storm. You got the frontal bands. Right. Then the eye comes, you have a few minutes of calm, and then you have the rest. The back oh comes through. Oh, my God. So it's... But, stress. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But, I mean, we know this. Yeah. So we know that the eye would give us... It wasn't that long, like 15 to 30 minutes. It really wasn't that long. And, I mean, the storm was also moving really slowly. So it took its time to literally batter us into the ground. Oh my gosh. Um, during the after storm, my mom was like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's like, she went across to my neighbor's house with my siblings and they had a concrete section. Like our roofs are not all concreted. It's like um, galvanized shitting on top of gable structures or whatever, or hip roofs, depending on whatever roof you make. And she was so terrified that the roof was going to tear off. She was like, when the eye came, she was like, I'm leaving. So my dad was saying, he's not leaving his house. I'm like, well, I'm not leaving my father. So I'm, two of us stayed there alone and everybody else ran across to the other house before the second half of the storm came in. You as the eldest child. Yeah, yeah. me as the eldest child. Yeah. Protecting the house of my father. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Jesus. That, it was just like listening to the chaos that happened outside yeah. during that storm. In like, terms of like stuff flying you around. You just hear like, you hear something that sounds like a tornado. You hear something that's like heavy objects just flying around the place. Wind is just whistling. Like the pressure was so low. It's like your ears are popping like you were in an airplane. Oh God. Like, and you could feel the impact of the wind on top of the roof. Like somebody's on top of a hammer that's trying to bust in. Jesus. Wow. And like the house is groaning literally like the Titanic. It's 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 absolutely crazy. I can't even imagine. So that mm. at the same time it's there's flooding. Um or not in that storm because okay. there was not a lot of rain. And where we live, it's not easy to get flooded because we're up in the mountains as well. So the houses up there are not close to rivers. Okay. Not as much. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the land is sloped. Mm. so there's a lot of runoff so it's not that big a deal but some places did get flooded like the capital always gets flooded because mm-hmm. it's the capital sits between two rivers yeah mm-hmm. so w- one of them is going to get it eventually mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah and it's weird that you were about to miss you weren't supposed to be there or you had just arrived there i had literally just arrived just arrived just welcome arrived. home yeah really <laughs> Wasn't the, I couldn't even enjoy the country for a few days. No. Like, that was it. So what was the fallout of that? Like, how did Dominica kind of go about repairing itself? Because you said it was flattened. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely flattened. I think um, that happened in September, and I started working with the government in November. So I worked with the government at Physical Planning Division, and they were doing a partnership with the United Nations, like UNDP, so that they could do a building damage assessment of mm-hmm. the of the country. So from our results, 80% of homes were either 
damaged or destroyed. Jesus. So the amount of infrastructural damage was unprecedented. Yeah. It's not like the 2015, we had a lot of flooding, but only one village was severely, like two villages were severely damaged. So, okay, the government could focus on those two villages, mm -hmm. but now they have to focus literally on everybody. On the entire and island. That was different. Like, they didn't really know how to deal with that. So, thankfully, we had a lot of outside help. Um, it's one of the good things about the Caribbean is like individually we are our own people but when anybody needs help everybody comes together and they help each other so all government sends um, like um, first responders and those things they sent helicopters they sent medical supplies food all of those things we got that from literally all of the Caribbean and a lot of places around the world as well and the United Nations were providing us with a lot of funding so that they could do a lot of repair work. And as well, China, because China is a big part of, it's one of our biggest partners when it comes to other countries. Um, but I think the most inspiring thing was the country itself mm. rather than the people. The island grew back almost overnight. Wow. It was wow. so impressive. Wow! I think that was also the thing that motivated me to go into renewable energy. Because mm -hmm. it's like, the country's flattened and a few months after, everything is green. Wow. People came back to Dominica and they're like, if there were no houses, we would not have known there was yeah. a storm. It's like, did I dream that storm? Like, yeah. like, wow, that's amazing. I was uh, getting prepared to hear that Dominica is still, you know, like barren and flat. I think Dominica is fine now. We're at 2021. 20, yeah. When I left them in 2019, Dominica was doing pretty well. Um, all of the major infrastructural damage were already taken care of. Yeah. I mean, the majority of like um, destroyed homes that remained were people who abandoned those houses and went back abroad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of old people who come here to retire. Mm. And they saw that and they're like, I'm not dealing with this shit. No, exactly. Anymore. This is not so what I'm like, like, <laughs> I have paid I don't my have to do this. <laughs> I don't have to put up with this. No. So yeah. they left. They literally yeah. abandoned the house and well, they're like, I'm done with this. And yeah. they went back. Um, but <laughs> the, the fact that, like Iceland actually, Dominica is so fertile. So the old people always used to say that you could literally break a stick from a tree stick it in the ground and it, and it would just grow. You don't have to do anything to it because the, the volcanic black soil is so fertile that all of the, the leaves that fell down basically just sprouted. Mm. Wow, it's so like perfect conditions. It so. just grew. Mm. And it was, it's probably one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. It's like, knock me down, but I'll just get up anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, honestly, I think the people took a lot of heart, heart in that. And they built this almost resilient mentality. Mm -hmm. So everybody moved forward from that. And I think we moved forward pretty successfully. I mean, not the way I personally have liked it because I feel like there was a lot of things that could have been done to set us up even better, mm -hmm. especially with all the help we were getting. But where we are now compared to two years ago, three years ago, I say we were much better off. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you said that this kind of disaster is what inspired you maybe to go into renewable energy. Yeah. Can you tell Be us a little bit more about that? Yeah, because as a scientist, as a geologist, I understand 
those storms, I know how they work. And I know why it happened. And I know the reasons that we're getting three 50-year storms in one year is definitely climate change. Mm. It's like, scientifically, it doesn't make sense that all of these things are occurring at the same time and at that frequency. Like, I think two years afterwards was when Dorian hit Bahamas. And that was the first time on record that a storm's forward speed was literally zero because it wasn't moving. That's not natural mm. for a storm. They, they don't do that. So it's like they're being fueled by everything else that we're doing. And I think one of the things that really hit me was the PM's address to the United Nations, I think a few days after the storm hit us. And he basically said that we're partaking in a war that we have no part of. Like literally Dominica is this small rainforest island that is not really contributing to the carbon, but we're the ones paying the effects. We're the ones suffering from it. So he's literally saying, like, you all need to do better because we're just there basically suffering and we can't do anything about it. I think that's so interesting because I think mm. there's definitely a cognitive dissonance in like the Western worlds, like in like this country and other countries in Europe. It's like everyone's talking about climate change, but these are not the countries that are going to feel the effects first. Exactly. Yeah. It's like exactly. these tropical islands and other places that mm-hmm. are going to feel, mm-hmm. that are, as you say, feeling yeah. the effects of uh, climate change like today. Yeah five years ago, 10 years ago. And it's like, I think you have a really, you have a perspective that a lot of us don't have yeah. about the severity of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I understand the drive to do it. And I mean, bigger countries are taking notice, but they don't have the same drive that we do. No. Because it's for them, it's, it's happening, it's going to happen in the future for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's happening to us now. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, it's more of an urgent thing that people need to deal with now. But other countries say, well, we have time, so we can push this, we can do whatever. But it's not the same for us. And then we can't influence anything. Mm. We are this small country without Mm. a very big pull when it comes to these kinds of um, conferences and sittings. And then at the same time, the amount of resources that we have is still not enough that we can actually make a difference on a global scale anyway. So... We're just sitting ducks. We like we. There's nothing we can do, and we're just getting hit. And you're the first in the, you know. Yeah, we are literally the first line of defense, mm-hmm. and we don't have a lot to defend with. No. So, that's where we are. Mm. So, Iceland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where did Iceland come from? Iceland came from our geothermal exploration, actually. Okay. It was Iceland Geosurvey, ESOR, that initiated our geothermal exploration in Dominica. I think when they started it, I was still in college or they started really early. I think it was like 2013 or earlier than that. And I, being a geologist, like I was already like fascinated with these kinds of things. And then after the storm and I had my epiphany and I decided I'm going to do renewable energy, then my site turned into, I need, I want to learn from the people who have made a difference or who are doing really well in it. So my choice fell between New Zealand and mm-hmm. Iceland. And I guess no coincidence, these are the two countries who are working on our geothermal project. I think right now New Zealand is in charge and Iceland is helping them with the drilling. 
And when I looked into Iceland, it's, I don't know, there was a sense of familiarity that struck me. Um, I always say the dream that Iceland sold to me was a summer dream. Because, (laughs) I mean, it's always a summer dream because the summer, (laughs) Iceland in the summer looks so much like Dominica. Really? It looks so much like it. Mm. The green, you have your black sand beaches, Mm. you have all the hot springs and pools, waterfalls, rivers. I'm like, this is home. This is what I'm accustomed to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before the darkness and the snow comes in. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. I have never had to experience That's that. The, like one the, small, the small print. Yeah, it's like the, the caveat is like, oh, I didn't read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, also the way that Iceland completely reinvented themselves with renewables, that um, basically 100% of the country is renewable. And I thought, man, we should be doing this. We should be able to do this. Iceland is a much larger scale than Dominica, but it's still a pretty small island mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. And I was like, if Iceland can do that, then we should be able to do that. I don't see why we should be able to do that. Um, we have way less people to cater for when it comes to electricity and those things. So one geothermal plant, while it, Iceland would probably have over 10 that only supply 30% of their energy, one geothermal plant could give us almost 70 percent because we have so much less to cater for we don't have factories we don't have this kind of things mm-hmm. so i'm like no iceland is doing it right they they know what they're doing mm. and so i was like yeah I'm, I'm gonna come here i mean the beauty of the place did also help it That's, played a lot yeah, part exactly. i mean iceland is very An popular inspiring place it's, to be also yeah. it's it really is i'm like oh yeah northern lights i mean didn't realize northern lights was in the cold but yeah completely forgot about the six <laughs> yeah. months of darkness I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. what? <laughs> which you need to see the northern lights so exactly so it's like yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a are little you, seesaw but. are you starting to like the darkness more or do you because like it's weird for me i'm like so excited mm-hmm. about December and like the darkness. I don't know why. I'm I, right now. I'm sick of the sun, and it's so weird to say. But like, I want the darkness. <laughs> it's weird. Like very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. Ooh. Take it away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most Icelanders I've met, they're like, ah, oh, thank God, the sun. Yeah, and everybody's all um, basking in it or something. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, it's but now it's time thing. to get cozy. Yeah, and nice like, cozy. No, yeah. I appreciate the cold. I I was always somebody who preferred colder than hotter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cold at 27. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, exactly. I like it colder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I came here, it was 16 degrees or 17 degrees when I came here in um, July. Hot day. Yeah. yeah it was nice. I was, like, I was in a t shirt. I was <laughs> yeah, like, man, exactly. I like I this place. so bad. Yeah, exactly. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward to three months down the yeah, line. Exactly. I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> it's nice to study in the cold than uh, like work in the cold. Yeah, it's like, it's funny because I, Coming from the sun, like I think I really appreciate darkness because we don't have a lot of it. Yeah. Even in the what we would call winter, we only have one extra hour of darkness. Mm. There's only one hour difference between all oh. our months. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's big not a deal. The, the sun case. sets at seven in the summer and it sets at six in the winter. Okay. That's it. It's not a big deal. But um, I think what I really miss about the night sky is like, we don't have a lot of people, so we don't have a lot of light pollution. Mm, yeah. And the stars you see, oh my God, yeah. That is why I always used to love the night when I was back home. Mm-hmm. Now it's 
that's always night. <laughs> but back home, it's like you don't have that much time with the night. And when it's there, you a lot of the, the time galaxy. you see something really nice. Wow. I can imagine. I, can, I can't even count the amount of shooting stars I've seen. Just yeah. like it's it's ridiculous the amount of stars you see. And again, it's not something I really appreciated until I left and I realized that I couldn't see those things anymore. No. Like even here, although some nights you do see some stars here. You have yeah. to still go out into you the still, countryside. Yeah, sometimes you, you need to see. live the lights yeah. for it to actually see a lot. It's almost like northern light hunting yeah, in, yeah. In, in that sense. So when you arrived in Iceland, did you, mm-hmm. was it for the master's program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I came about uh, like three weeks early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I left home kind of late. But I was still working until June. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the UK for a bit, stayed there for two weeks. And then I came over here. And your degree was in sustainable energies, wasn't it? This one, yeah, this one, my master's, master's degree. Yes, yeah. yes, sustainable energy science. How so. did you like it? Oh, it was it was fun. It was it was absolutely really interesting. Uh, I think what really made the program for me was was the actual people I met. Okay. Because it's in undergrad, it's so much more like structured. You have a almost a very specific background that you're coming in with, and then everybody's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now. When I came here, I was able to meet other geologists like myself and then people who did biochemical engineering or chemical engineering, all of these kinds of different backgrounds, which we're all doing the same thing now. Mm. And that gives you such a different perspective because it's like when I did my underground, it's just a bunch of maybe scientists, geologists, whatever, thinking as geologists. Mm -hmm. But here, everybody is thinking in their own background. So it's like you get these very interesting points of view and things that you probably would have never thought of before. And I felt like that really allowed us to grow above our actual studies. Yeah. I felt like I learned so much more from other people. That's amazing. In the studies. Yeah, it was the diversity of that group. Mm -hmm. And also the fact that we, in my year, there were probably around, call it 30 entries into um iceland school of energy that's a nice amount yes it's not too big not too small and you're there for two years right yeah and we're all okay. together for two years cool. and out of the 30 of us there were about 23 countries between all of us wow so cool it was a, like people were from everywhere wow that's amazing that is really it was cool ridiculous. i haven't heard of that kind of di- no. diversity in no. iceland it was actually ridiculous there were two people from the caribbean one from japan there were people from uh, Sweden, Belgium, wow, um, the UK, Canada, the US, from all over the place, Colombia. Like it was wow. madly diverse, and I think also that helped as well. Like we got all of these different cultures, different backgrounds, mentalities, ways of thinking, and yeah, it really expanded the box more or less. Mm-hmm. Like. We were able to think in so many different ways collectively that I felt like we were able to overcome almost any obstacle. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. So cool. That I, sounds like a really positive it experience. Was, it was. It really was. I didn't actually expect that, no. to be honest. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting more people like, I was actually expecting more Icelanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there were only two Icelanders <laughs> in my group that yeah. year. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah, there were no Icelanders probably saying that. So you had a pretty strong community. Kind of yeah. from 
right when you got here from day one honestly cool. in the school wow. and yeah the way that they put us together like i always tell like one of my roommates is from the year after me and i always thought i feel so bad for him like as much as he is connected with his classmates now but they had to do a lot of it online yeah because of covid exactly oh, yeah. Yeah. And when we first came in, we were all together from the first day and then we all went downtown and we all mm -hmm. started to hang out and then we formed this very tight-knit group between mm -hmm. all of us. And then we were always at school and if we were not at school, we were always together outside of school. So, like, we really made that this family mm -hmm. amongst all of us. Like, granted, some of them have left, but the rest of us who are here, we are, we're still really close. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a huge benefit, for sure, this little I think group. that's interesting because... We were at university at the same time, mm. and me and Sonia were basically d doing very similar uh, degrees. And it was so different. We met like once a month on the weekend, so like we didn't get this like uh -huh. family feeling in yeah. in our master. Definitely not at all. I'm kind of jealous of yeah. your experience because did you go to school every day? Basically every basically day, every yeah, day yeah. yeah. And then we have our common room at the school. Yeah. So we have the ISC dorm like um, study area. Yeah that we're all in anyway if we don't have classes. Okay, wow. So it's either we're in classes together, we're, we're in the study room together, or yeah. we're out of school together. Yeah. So it's, we're always in each other's presence. Most of the time, at least you're one other person. So good. And also, mm -hmm. if you had a lot of people coming from abroad, then you're all in the same boat. You, you yeah. kind of need exactly. to Exactly, we need to grow together, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you need to stick together to survive, kind yeah. of? Yeah. Oh, wow, that sounds really that, nice. Yeah. It sounds it was so really nice. nice. It was really nice. I think that was that was the highlight for me of yeah. that degree. It was the best thing for me. And have a lot of the people that you studied with, are they staying in Iceland? Not a lot, actually. Um, I, how many of us are left? Maybe about 10 of us are left. It's out of that, I mean, plus the Icelanders. Mm -hmm. um, so the majority of them already left. I mean, as soon as they finished the studies, they left. They probably stayed for a few more weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they left. So then there's just this small select few of us who decided, yeah, we're going to try and make it here. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. we decided to stay. And you're one of them? Yeah. How, one of us. Okay. How did you, was it an easy decision? Or mm. are you still making your mind up? Or? I probably am still making my mind <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, are we all? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big jump. Yeah, yeah. It is a big jump. It's one thing going off to study. But it's like, at this point, it's like, okay, you have the degree. Then it's like, what's next? You you have life basically mm -hmm. to deal with now. Mm -hmm. So now you have to make a decision. You need to put roots down somewhere mm -hmm. and then try and grow a life mm -hmm. out of that. So that decision, it obviously was not easy. Um, the thing with home, like I love home, but the more I leave home, I feel like I can't stay there. It's almost like... I don't know, home, I don't know if it's now my new perspective on the outside world. I feel like, one, I appreciate home when I'm not home. Mm. And uh, two, I've, there is so much more that I can do, even for my country, when I'm outside. Okay, yeah. That's why I also feel like that. Mm. And it's like, there's a lot of limited opportunities back home. Yeah. So, we, also, we actually had this big issue that there's a lot of brain drain in the country that the educated people it's like you get to this level of education and you realize that dominica is not quite what you wanted to do like mm -hmm. what you wanted to be so you decide to find a better life basically 
Mm, which is not good for Dominica. If like not, all of the people who are it highly isn't. educated. But it's, I don't know. On one hand, I think it's almost like a statement to the higher ups mm-hmm. to like to allow younger people to have more influence. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's like people are just biding their time. And then they realize that, okay, they see an opening and now they can go home and make a change. Um, I worked with the government for almost two years. And like I understood very well how the government runs, mm-hmm. how the different departments run. And I just didn't agree with it. Okay. There, there were people that are much more educated that are not given the opportunity to do certain posts because that person has tenure or that person has connections. Okay. <laughs> so with that in mind, you know that no matter how good your credentials are, you're not getting the posts okay. that you Which is really demoralizing. Deserve. It is, it is. So it's either you stay somewhere that you're not happy and not appreciated or you go find somewhere where you are. Yeah, it's kind of like a sad reality, really. It is, it is. Um like my lecturer from college she lectured me geology Tysa. she's in canada now and she was actually the one who put me in touch with one of the guys from esor sigi who was basically like my first contact in iceland before i came because she knew him while he was doing the geothermal project in dominica and she always used to tell me that i really like admire enthusiasm to help dominica but Dominica doesn't care for you the same way that you care about Dominica. Mm. So she said, like, if you really want to help it, you probably would have to leave. And I mean, she did. She tried. She really tried. She was there for a while. And then she realized it's not going to work. And then she moved to Canada. And she said that she's been exactly where I am. So she was the one, actually. She also really pushed me to come here. And she was telling me that I've been where you are and I understand how you feel. Mm -hmm. But you still have to look out for you. So you have to take the opportunity and literally go. Yeah. You have to go. So that's where I'm at right now. So you're kind of weighing those kind of, that's what you're thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm a bit torn, but. Mm. But you have a job here, don't you? I was at ESOR for the summer. What is ESOR? Iceland Geoserver. Iceland Geoserver. Okay, Mm. yeah. I mean, it's something else in Icelandic. I think it's Islandska Okatuna or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my Icelandic is so bad. Uh, <laughs> it sounded good there. They say just say it confidently, but yeah, exactly, yeah, mumble yeah. through it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it so sounds bad. like you get the gist <laughs> of the word. <laughs> yeah, that's why I try to do it. Like get the cadence, and <laughs> then mm-hmm. and that's about it. Don't ask questions. <laughs> so yeah, I worked with them on three projects. It was actually. Um, I was doing database mapping. I was cartographing the um, the oceanic, uh, what do you call it? Reflections, like seismicity and those sort of things around the island, all of the shipping routes that were taken and all of those things. Then I worked a little bit in the field with the seismology group because we were decommissioning seismic stations that were no longer in use. A lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> and... Then I worked uh, almost um, about a month and a half on the result project, which is a temperature modeling project for the Italy Todalu River Valley, where they have a bunch of wells drilled. So I was basically, I basically had to make a temperature model within the 
modeling software, the geological modeling software, LeapFrog, um, so that they could use for further assessments later, I guess, production modeling and all of those things for future productions. I mean, this so. sounds all very clever, but over yeah, my yeah, head. Sorry. And I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I still I don't know what you've done. I heard LeapFrog. <laughs> yeah, LeapFrog is the software. <laughs> it sounded nice. It's <laughs> yeah, so it's basically we're trying to replicate the real life <laughs> system, geological mm. system or um, geothermal system yeah. into this software. So like I would build it basically mm. based on the temperatures that we got from the wells and I would build these isotherms, the areas of temperature with equal um, temperature values. And then I would be able to create this block, which is basically representing the real-life geothermal um, area. So you're trying to mimic that land. Yes. So I'm trying to use everything that the real-life data is telling me mm-hmm. is there. So I match it completely. Mm-hmm. And then now that I have this model... I can do anything I want with it. Okay. So now I can say, make okay, predictions. exactly. So if I drill a well here, what uh, is this well going to do? How is the temperature mm-hmm. going to change? Mm-hmm. What would happen to the pressure? Will we get good temperature from the well and flow and et cetera, et cetera. And it's similar to what I did for my thesis as well, because I had to do this for St. Vincent in the Caribbean. Did you enjoy working on these projects? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. It was. I can kind of hear. Yeah. It, it's always <laughs> fun, like working with real life data. Yeah. Because yeah. when I learned the software, we had all of this perfect information. Nothing was wrong. And it's like. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. And then when I started my project, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this is hard. Because <laughs> we, we did all the easy stuff in yeah. class and now everything is wrong. Nothing is working. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? <laughs> Yeah. It's a different skill set it's to kind of manage that. Different. Yeah, yeah. And so would you like to stay and work for a company like that in Iceland? Is that kind of where you're heading? Yeah, that's literally where I'm heading. Yeah. That's where I'm heading. Yeah, because there is so much, like, as a geologist, there is so much interest in geology in Iceland. Of course. <laughs> Just in geology. Yeah. That's before I even start to get into geothermal. Yeah. So there is so much to see on, ex- like, experience in that field. Like, I couldn't think of a better place to do it, honestly. Is there something that you've seen in your in the two years you've been here that's made you just, like, that's, you know, been dr- jaw-dropping for you? I think it'll have to be glaciers, honestly. The glaciers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we don't have ice. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, just seeing this thing that's there that's literally bigger than life, and it's just a massive wall of ice, mm-hmm. and it's just there, and it's... I don't know, it almost feels like it's staring into my soul, kind of. It's, mm. it's I don't know, humbling or... Yeah. It makes you feel so insignificant in a way, but it's like you know that we're doing so many things that's making these kind of wonders dwindle away. But then you look at it up close and you're like, how are we possibly doing that? <laughs> yeah, but it's so just small. A, Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're so insignificant, but yeah. yes, still we're affecting things yeah. like this. Um, yeah, it was really unbelievable. I didn't hike one though because you didn't, nah, slippery. Yeah, I have, (laughs) (laughs) you need some crampons, yeah, the crampons, yeah, yeah. make me nervous. Yeah, (laughs) I fall a lot, hanging on by (laughs) (laughs) yeah, my fingernails. I think it's eerie that there's like nothing living in them, yeah, there's like nothing, not one thing, Mm, no life. I think it's like also a a lot of places in Iceland, it's like there's like nothing alive, maybe a few foxes, but. Yeah, Other than that, which is like kind of weird. 
It's that a come from a place literally of life. Yeah. yeah. Like everywhere yeah. you turn, there's something, something is alive. Yeah. I guess like where you're from in Iceland, it's actually, there's very many similarities in terms of like geothermal activity, mm-hmm. volcanoes and stuff. But it's also complete opposite because there's so much barrenness here in exactly. Iceland. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so much life in, um, in Dominica. Is this, it's like, it's just weird dynamic. It's like you have both sides of the coin here. Yeah. I don't really get it. No. But um, don't understand. I'm hanging on. I'm not asking too many questions because <laughs> mind blown. Mm. But it is crazy how similar and different both of these countries are. Mm. So I think that's probably why I also feel a lot at home here. Mm-hmm. Because Iceland has the certain degree of freedom. They have the sea, which is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, all of these things like the the nature and stuff, especially in the summer. And even the people to a certain extent, and it's always funny because it's like the little things that I noticed about us as island people, I notice it here. Even if, Do you? Like, Iceland is an island as well, mm-hmm. but it's bigger. So we're like, no, they're more structured. Nah, yeah, I, we feel, we pretend to be cosmopolitan. I, Iceland, Icelanders are almost like Caribbean people, especially when it comes to time. In what way? <laughs> Especially I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> like back when we would have events, they would start at eight, we tell people to come at seven. Because yeah. we know if we say they come at eight, they will come at nine. <laughs> and I, I know you yeah. all know what I'm talking yeah, about. Exactly. It yeah, happens yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah with no respect for time. Yeah, it's yeah. so relaxed. Because you're not in this kind of structured environment like this cosmopolitan places mm-hmm. like metropolitan cities mm-hmm. where you need to be there. Because you or need else, to be somewhere else exactly, in an hour. Exactly. So yeah. you need to actually be on time all the time. I can't like time that. is money. Yeah. But here I'm like... Oh, it's chill, it's relaxed. It's, it's chill, yeah, you know, cool. what's the hurry? I kind of yeah. I, I kind of like it. But I also, I, mm. I grew up in not an island. Uh-huh. So I have this kind of like, I, I've never felt, you know, when you're late, that is the worst feeling. When you're yeah. like, you know you're late to somewhere, you're like, oh my God, that yeah. kind of stress is like. Yeah, I actually have that stress because my dad is British. Ah, okay. And... Granted, he left when he was seven and never but went still. back, but he is. <laughs> Those seven years. <laughs> Those seven years are important. Yeah. But um, his parents, who worked there while they were raising him, yeah. they got accustomed to that structured life mm. and they literally beat it into him. So he has mm. that structure. Mm-hmm. And they kept that life even when they went back to Dominica. So being raised by him, he was a drill sergeant when it came to time. You always used to say stuff like, hey, if, if you don't hurry up, like the train will leave you down. We have no trains. <laughs> he's, ta- he's talking about him yes. driving us. And he's the train. He's the train. He's the conductor. And it's leaving. He's like, what? Without you. Yeah, it's leaving. Without you. Oh. Wow. Yeah, and my mother is a true Dominican. So she's, uh. yeah, the train always leaves her behind. <laughs> yeah. He's that kind of person. Like if you're early, you're on time. And if you're on time, you're late. Yeah. If you're late, don't go. That he's, he's one of those kind of people. So I've, I grew up with that in me. So I understand the importance of time. Like yeah. I always keep time. But I know that I don't have to be as stressed about it here, mm-hmm. which is liberating. But yeah. that upbringing helps me if I have to go to a big city. That's interesting. I didn't consider that part of like this timekeeping to be an island thing, but maybe it, it is. It is an island thing. We, we call it island time. Yeah. Island time. We literally well, we call it Nigerian time. My... I'm from Nigeria yeah. and like we do the same thing. My mum is always joking, you know, if you have like a party with Nigerian people mm-hmm. and you want people to come at eight, 
Tell them the hour before. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly one hour. Ooh. And everyone comes, but one hour later. <laughs> one hour later. I feel like you're going to, we're probably so going to hear weird. this, like, it's just a people problem. It's maybe. a people problem. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Like, just, yeah in, in uh, Belgium yeah, exactly. also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. 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 And um, what would you say has been the hardest thing about your move here? Hmm. What would be the hardest thing, really? Um, I must admit, the culture shock was not as crazy as Morocco. Mm-hmm. Because I, that, for Morocco, was definitely the hardest thing for me. But I think the circumstances on which I came here was probably harder. Um, this time, I didn't have as much backing from the government. I, I didn't have a full scholarship like when I went to Morocco. This one was more like a, a tuition scholarship. <laughs> And the cost of living in Iceland mm. overwhelms yeah. the Caribbean. It like mm. it's so different. It is so different. Like when I saw the price of a raincoat here, I was like, "What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is this? I'll get wet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a raincoat. It's like, is it Jesus's raincoat? Yeah. I don't. Know. <laughs> it is just yeah. crazy. So like, now you have to get up to speed, basically. Mm. And since my money is coming back from home, granted our currency has higher power, but the economy is much smaller, so we have less pull. And I feel that was the hardest thing to overcome. Like It took me a while to really settle in here mm-hmm. because I didn't have the financial stability that I had when I went to Morocco. It was so different. Like one Eastern Caribbean dollar is probably three Moroccan dirhams. One Eastern Caribbean dollar to here is probably around 80 kronas. But even with that bigger difference, things in Iceland are way more expensive than Morocco anyway. Yeah, yeah. just generally. In general, right? Yeah. So it's like, I have more of a pull, currency-wise, mm. but there's way less I can do with it. Mm-hmm. So that that was terribly difficult. Yeah. So it did take a while before I really felt, okay, I'm much better now, like yeah. I can feel, I mean, once you start working here, it also helps. That's the thing, as soon as yeah. you start earning yeah. kronos, it's like a little bit more manageable. Yeah, yeah, because changes. it kind of makes sense when you start making money here and then you're like, okay. Then yeah, you can, that's why everything's you, you, so You can make yeah. it, yeah, okay, yeah. that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but beforehand, it takes a while to get up yeah. to speed, definitely. Mm-hmm. Maybe to wrap things up, mm-hmm. do you mind telling us like what an ideal day in your life here in Reykjavik would be like. Oh, here in Reykjavik. Oh. <laughs> On that oh. rainy day, you know. <laughs> no, okay, maybe you There's can be any kind of day. <laughs> you can pick a sunny day. It's funny, right? Um, my favorite days have always been like, even in Dominica has been overcast days. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's because I see the sun too much and I want it to disappear for a little bit. <laughs> get a little bit of a cool breeze in. No sun. It's like, ah, oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. But um, even here, like, I still really like it. it, especially here now that you have darkness, you have winter, you have snow. You get that kind of, even like around these couple months and you have this kind of spooky Halloween feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of, I really actually like that. So yeah. those are one, that's my, like my ideal day. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, not enough wind to topple me over. I would no, appreciate, like today. I would appreciate not having that. Yeah. <laughs> but what would I, you do in the it, day? It kind of took me. Um, I would want to go out though. I would literally want to go out. And again, I still don't think some of these things happen by coincidence. I'm living by a park. Yeah. Like I, I need to be like a wrong vegetation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like honestly, like the song of the wind in the trees is such a 
like a calming thing to me, like a peaceful thing to me. Like, I would just go out in the park yeah. on a cloudy ass day, and people would be like, "No, oh, stay home, and snuggle or something." I'm like, "No, that, you'd be there. You don't waste this. See, I want to go out. I want to <laughs> enjoy look this. Look at these clouds. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. I'll name the clouds for you. Like, look at this. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Oh. Are you yeah. a pool guy? Uh. Not as much. No. Um, one, because the pools are either too hot or too cold. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are warm pools, but um, like even back home, like we had these um, sulfur springs. Like we'd have like this spa. It's maybe not as much a resort, but it's more like a spa. And we could go there and we'd basically just bask in hot sulfur water or as much as you like. Mm. And my friends used to love to do that a lot. But I used to get this terrible freaking migraines just being submerged in hot water all the time and oh, all of this wow. steam. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a bit much. <laughs> like, I can't do it that often. I can't stain it that much. And then, I mean, the cold pools here are absolutely horrendous. I don't know why people do that. <laughs> so <funny. laughs> that is hilarious. It, I lo- I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I have kind of adopted this. Yeah. I like it actually. I watch people do that. I'm like, what are you doing? It even makes me dizzy. I'm like, it's nice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's good in the bones. Uh, yeah, exactly. It aches, no? Yeah, I remember I, 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 the last time I went there, um, like I went into the hot one for some time, man, this is too hot. Yeah. So firm, I was saying, okay, let's go into the cooler one. And I was like, I felt like um, Goldilocks or something. Yeah, because exactly. I was like, this is too hot. Yeah. This is too cold. Yeah. <laughs> so like, do we have to find the just right pool or yeah, something? Yeah. Uh, I was like, no. Meet the baby pool. Yeah, yeah the baby yeah, pool. Yeah, baby. yeah, the little one where like yeah, exactly. 10 people and it's full. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But. Yeah, it's been a while actually since I've gone there. I don't think I've gone back to the pool since the last time we had restrictions in pools. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone back since then. Thank you so much. This was a super interesting chat. Yes. Thank you for coming to speak to us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It was fun. It was interesting. It was just nice to get to know you a bit and mm-hmm. hear about Dominica. And it was just lovely to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Enjoy.